who are so angry and so uh, hardened as I'm encountering right now. But we know that Jesus breaks through that hardness and we are seeing these young men coming to Christ. So <laughs> I've already uh, preached once today at, at the juvenile home and uh, every Sunday morning, every Thursday night, I get to uh, be there sharing the word. Um, I also get to minister at a teen crisis shelter called The Ark. And through the years, I've met a number of Allegan young people um, that have been there for a time. But um, <laughs> I love your church. Um, and I love our connection, which is John, my son-in-law. And I love, we, we so enjoy hearing you share the word, John. And wish we could get out here more, but between responsibilities at our church and my ministry on Sunday mornings with Youth for Christ, it's, it, it's getting to be a challenge to be able to come and visit. But we love it. Um, love uh, that my daughters are sitting here, Elisa. Of course, you know Lisa, pastor's wife, sweet Elisa. My daughter, Bethany, and um, my son, Josiah, serving as a police officer in Kalamazoo today. And I really... When I look at my kids who love the Lord, they're, they're like my three greatest accomplishments in life, that, that, <laughs> that they love Jesus. So um, I, I'm sharing with you something very near and dear to my heart. And this goes all the way back to 1978 when Jesus came into my life. And I was a very lost 20-year-old young man uh, who uh, had come into alcohol and uh, drug addiction and just um, was leading a very empty, wasted life. And Jesus came into my life and saved me and pulled me out of that darkness. Um, and I am so grateful uh, to our Lord and Savior uh, and for his salvation. And at that time, there was a uh, young lady in our church who did uh, calligraphy. And she, one Sunday, showed up to church with my name in calligraphy and what she called a life verse. Now, I didn't know what a life verse was, you know, but that's what she said. This is your life verse. And I want to share with you that life verse. So turn in your Bibles to Micah 6.8. And, you know, I was a brand new believer and at that time, I had not certainly read through the Bible. And I had never read this verse up to that point. And I, when I read it, I said, yes, that, that is who I want to be. It's Micah 6, 8. It says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God, to walk humbly with your God. Now, at this time, I loved to walk. In fact, the young man that led me to Christ, his name was John, and we would, we loved to explore the woods. Uh, when I was in high school, we used to come and camp in Allegan Forest on spring break. Um, and and we, we loved to walk together. We had both come to Christ and we would go on these walks and just talk about the Lord. And it was just out in God's nature, there, there, there was a nearness um, to God. And 
to this day now, I, I love to take walks with Cheryl. And we, we try to get out and walk as often as we can, and just side by side with each other, sharing, right, and talking. And, and um, so this, this phrase, uh, walking with God, intrigued me. And, and I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to walk with God. And so I began to explore what that meant, and that's what I want to look at with you all this morning. And in the Hebrew, the word walk is yalak, and it simply means to walk in the path side by side. So it's the idea of walking with someone. When you, when you think of taking a walk, it means oftentimes more than just walking, right? Like if someone invites you to go for a walk, they may be saying, I really would like to spend time with you one-on-one -on -one and get to know you better. Um, it's a sweet time uh, to have good, meaningful conversations as you, especially walking through God's nature, I, I think. Um, someone might say to you, hey, let's take a walk. And that could be good or bad, right? Okay, but, but when, when someone says to that, often they're like, it means I want to share something with you very personally and something that's very important. So let's get away from everyone else. Um, it's definitely um, walking with someone represents fellowshipping with them. And this morning... The Father is saying to us, as you walk through life, walk with me. Let me be your close companion. The God of all creation, the God of the universe, our King of Kings, is calling us to walk with him in close friendship and communion. What a high privilege. What a blessing. Amen? <laughs> okay, now, my little grandson, Enoch, is not in this room. Is he? Okay. When I, sometimes I'll say to Enoch, I'll say, what was Enoch known for? And he says, walking with God. Because I've let him know that that's what Enoch was known for. And I want to I look at Enoch with you. Turn to Genesis chapter 5. So, you know, back, back to the beginning... In chapter 5, we find the ge genealogy of Adam and Eve. And um, over and over, as, as you read through chapter 5, it basically says he lived, he had children, and he died. Generation after generation, he lived, he had children, or he fathered children, and he died. Until you get to Enoch in verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. So, so here we come to Enoch. Now, let's read verses 18 through 24 together. When Jared lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he had fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. 
Enoch walked with God after he had fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? You go through these genealogies. He lived, had children, died. And all of a sudden Enoch comes on the scene. And it says that Enoch walked with God. Enoch is, is uh, pointed out as something uh, special for us. Um, you know, I want you to notice that he didn't always walk with God, that it started when he was 65 years old. Look at verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years. So, so something significant happened um, in Enoch's life, and it seems to be connected with the birth of his son, Methuselah. So I wonder if it had something to do with the birth of Methuselah. I wonder, perhaps, using my creative imagination, that his wife was struggling in childbirth. And you know, uh, many women through the centuries have died in childbirth, right? Uh, and, and maybe Enoch knew that without the intervention of God that he was going to lose his wife and his baby in childbirth. And maybe at this point Enoch cried out to God like never before. And this baby Methuselah was born healthy and well. And his wife was, was well. Maybe that was the turning point in Enoch's relationship with God. You know, none of us like the hard times in life, do we? The sad times, the difficult times. But it's part of the human condition. But it's those hard times and those difficult times that can bring us into this closer, deeper relationship that God so longs for us, his sons and daughters. You think of some of the difficult times you've been through and you look back and you say, the Lord saw us through that and I am so grateful. And those are times that um, if we're believers and, and um, we, we continue to keep our eyes on God, that we grow closer to him in our relationship. There was a decision made in Enoch's life at the age of 65, that he wanted to walk with God, that he wanted God to be part of his daily life in his journey. And he began to walk in fellowship with God. For the next 300 years, he walked with God. I think for many of us, it, it, it would be said, she believed in God, he believed in God. But for how many of us would it be said, she walked with God, he walked with God. That's something so beautiful to aspire to, uh, to walk with God. One day Enoch and God were walking together and their fellowship was so sweet. And Enoch had learned, um, he had grown so close to the father that the father said, Enoch, why don't you just come home with me today? Just come home with me today. 
and he took Enoch straight into the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that amazing? It doesn't say he died. That God just brought him home. Um, that's verse uh, 24. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Took him, took him what? Took him home. <laughs> wow, what a way to go, huh? Uh, look, now, I want, I want you to see the uh, New Testament commentary on this. Turn to Hebrews 11.5. 5. Uh, Enoch is mentioned in the believer's uh, hall of faith, if you will. Uh, we, find, we find Enoch in verse 5. It says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Pleased God. He, he had this close relationship with God. He had learned to walk with God. Um, I so want the smile of God in my life. And you know, we, we read about grieving the Spirit, right? We, we read in Genesis that God was grieved over the human race. And I know there have been times in my life where I have grieved my Heavenly Father. I so want that smile of God upon me. I so want to live in a way that is pleasing to him. And I, I think this was the fruit of Enoch learning to walk with God in that close relationship because I cannot please God in my own humanness. Absolutely not. Um, in fact, I will offend him over and over again because of that struggle with the flesh and that sin nature. But when I'm close to God, I'm a different man than when I'm not. Uh, my family um, can attest to that, I am sure, especially my wife who knows me better than, than anyone. Um, you know, it's interesting that we aren't told that Enoch was a great preacher or that he had any great accomplishments in his life, right? But maybe we are told of the greatest accomplishment. He walked with God. Could that be our greatest accomplishment in this life's journey? To walk in nearness and in love with God, abiding in his love, learning to commune with him moment by moment, allowing him to shine in us and then through us. This is what pleased and honored the Father in Enoch's life. And in the holy writings... Enoch is given a prominent place simply because he walked with God. And you, you know, you think of all the blessings that might have flowed out of Enoch's life as he walked in that close relationship because as we walk closer to God, his love will be more apparent and more evident through us as we get closer and closer to our Lord. Well, it definitely had an impact on his great-grandson, Noah. Turn to Genesis with me, Genesis chapter 6, and let's look at Noah for a second. Now, you know, we think that things are bad here uh, in these times. And, you know, sadly, we are seeing some really heartbreaking things going on in our culture 
but uh, look at what was going on in Noah's day. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Things were so bad in Noah's day that we know the judgment that God brought upon the earth, right? The great flood. That's what Noah is known for. I think that what Noah was living in in his day would make our world look very civilized and peaceful in comparison. Yes, things are bad now, but they have been horrible in centuries past, and I think they were so bad in Noah's day that God said, the only way I can cleanse the earth is by sending this flood. But look what it is said of Noah in verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Like his great-grandfather, he walked with God. I have to think that, that Enoch had an influence upon that and taught his great-grandson how to walk with God. Enoch lived 300 years after he began that close walk with God, and so surely he would have met his great-grandson, I am guessing. Noah had this close relationship, and, and the father confided in Noah uh, what was going to happen, what he was going to bring upon the earth. And he said, Noah, I'm going to save you and your family and whoever will come into the ark with you. Build this ark. And he builds this massive ship and God rescues him and his family because Noah walked with God. He had that close relationship. Let's look at another Old Testament character who's known for walking with God. Turn to Genesis 17.1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. Abram uh, appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Now at this point, Abraham had been believing in the true God. Uh, God told him to leave uh, his people who were idol worshipers and that he was going to um, start a brand new nation out of Abraham. But in, in verse 1, at the age of 99, God comes to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm calling you to a closer relationship with me. I want you to walk with me. And there it is again. God says, walk before me. Now, this Hebrew word before, look at it, walk before me, is the Hebrew word panim, and it means the face. That's exactly what that word means. That's interesting, isn't it? Walk in my face, God says. In fact, 390 times in the, in the Old Testament scriptures, panim is translated face. Okay, to get in someone's face, that's their very presence, Right? To look into their eyes, it's translated presence 76 times. And so God was calling Abram to a closer walk, to, to live in a closer awareness 
of His presence, to live His life in the very face of God. To realize that God is the ever-present one. It's as if God was saying, Abraham, walk facing me. Keep your eyes on me. Live in my presence. He says, walk before me and be blameless. Now this, this word blameless in the Hebrew has two meanings. Number one, it means to be whole in the sense of completeness. And I, and I want to uh, throw this out that it's as we draw near to God, as we get close, that's where the healing and the wholeness is going to take place. That's where the healing comes in the presence of God. As we get alone with our Father in sincere, heartfelt honesty before Him, seeking Him, opening His Word, letting Him speak into our lives, we become whole. He brings that healing into our lives. He is a powerful healer. Rightness with God, or righteousness comes from rightness with Him. I learned early on that when my heart is right with God, then other areas of my life are right. When my heart is not right with God, then they aren't right. Um, and I said, oh Lord, I got to keep my heart open and close to you because I don't like what I see without that. Um, Abraham, uh, well, the second meaning of blameless is to be spotless, undefiled, and upright. Walk before me and be blameless. And so God was calling Abraham to purity of heart. Remember what Jesus said about a pure heart? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? They shall see God. Okay. It's when our heart becomes defiled that God seems so distant. Okay. That bitterness can creep in. It's that pure heart where we begin to get that clear vision of the beauty of God. Um, Ab Abraham took God up on this, and Abraham will forever be referred to as the friend of God. And let, let me just read to you James 2.23. It says this, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? That God wants to be our friend. That God wants to be able to say, this is my friend. Uh, because they walk with me. This is the kind of relationship that our Savior longs to have with us. This closer, closer walk. From this verse, we gain an understanding of what it means to walk with God. Number one. It means to live facing Him, to live in His recognized presence, live in the understanding that wherever you are, as Psalm 139 says, that you are surrounded by the very presence of God, that they, He is there with His eye upon you every moment. His ear is open to you. This morning at the juvenile home, I did a message on the God who hears, and we looked at uh, Genesis or Exodus, excuse me, where the Hebrew slaves were groaning. And it says that God heard their groans. Okay? Not their prayers, their groans. He heard their pain. He hears that little sigh. He hears every word that we speak. He is the ever-present one. 
Number two, it means spending time with him, meeting with him, to live in constant companionship with him. Uh, what that means is us getting our heart right with him first thing every morning. Don't walk out of that house if your heart is not right with him. And then it's living in that right relationship with God. Um, it's walking with him throughout the whole day. You don't leave him behind in your quiet time chair. Okay? You walk with God throughout your day. In the New Testament, we find Jesus inviting us to this very thing. Many times he said these words, follow me. Um, look at Matthew 9, 9 with me. Matthew 9, 9. Now Matthew, we know he was a tax collector. He was hated by his own people. He was considered a traitor, an outcast. And here comes Jesus walking up to his tax booth in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. And Jesus passed on from there and he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. Jesus called to us, he says, follow me. Now this Greek word, and I won't even attempt to pronounce it, um, it comes from two words. The first part of the word literally means a road. And the second part means to um, walk side by side in company. So the word means to walk together in the road. And it came to mean uh, especially as a disciple. So when Jesus said, follow me, he was definitely calling us to that close walk. And he's calling each of us to not merely be a believer, but to take it deeper and to be a disciple of Jesus. Walking with him, learning his teaching, seeking to live his teaching, seeking to be an example of a Jesus follower. Ninety-two times this is found in the New Testament. Follow me. Jesus is calling us. God is calling us. Walk with me, my child. Walk with me in a closer relationship. He wants you to go deeper. Maybe today a decision needs to be made to go deeper. Some honesty before God. I have not been walking close with you, Father. Teach me how to do this. So having seen these examples of walking with God, hearing the call of God um, to walk with him, um, I, I just want to think about in closing some practical steps on how to do this, okay? Um, number one, we begin to walk with God each day by getting our heart right with him and spending time with him in his word and prayer. And I mentioned that um, already. Um, it says in 1 John uh, 1, 1 through 3, it talked about, um, John talked about being an eyewitness of Jesus, um, uh, touching him, holding him, being with him. And then in uh, verse 3, he says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John was saying in 1 John 1, 3 that this written word is to help you learn how to fellowship with God. And this, this word fellowship in the Greek, it means joint participation, sharing together, communion 
we might use the word friendship instead of the word fellowship. You know, fellowship's definitely a church word for sure. But the idea is a close, close relationship. This book is amazing as you open it and you're praying and you're saying, Father, speak to me through your word. Renew my heart, renew my mind, getting alone with him and being in his book, taking that time each day. You will, you will be blessed. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says this, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. One spirit. That union is the word and prayer that brings us into that union. If you're not practicing what I call a quiet time, you are missing blessings. To have just a time set apart somewhere, sometime in your day, where it's just you and your Lord, one-on-one, opening the book, whether it's a psalm or whatever, and just asking him to speak to you, and then you speaking your heart and meeting together in that fellowship. You become one in spirit, and then our hearts are right with him, and now, now we have the opportunity to walk with him throughout the day. If we don't get that right in the beginning, chances are until we get that right, we're not, we're not going to walk with him. Now, very simple, okay? Um, we walk with God, number two, by practicing 1 Thessalonians 5.17, um, one of the easiest verses in the Bible. In, in the ESV, it's three words, pray without ceasing. Right? Did you guys know that one by heart? <laughs> Anybody know that one by heart? Okay, a few. I bet you could say it to me now. What, what's 1 Thessalonians 5.17? Pray without ceasing. Easy, right? Pray without ceasing. Okay? Memorize that verse seriously. Because God is saying, I want you to talk to me all the time. I want to keep this conversation going with you. I want to lead and guide you and speak into your life and help you. Not just in your quiet time or at the end of the day when you, you know, open my word and pray or praying in bed. Or he, I want to be with you every moment of the day. I want... I want to walk with you, pray without ceasing. This is how close God wants to be to us. And this is a reality because God is the ever-present one with us. He's always there, right? I pray in my car. I love praying in my car. It's one of my favorite places to pray. Whenever I'm alone, that's mainly what I do in my car. I just talk to the Father. I pray over people. Um, I, you know... Um, learning to do this inward prayer is an important component of it. Learning to pray without saying it out loud. I love praying out loud, but there's times when it's just not appropriate to pray out loud. But I love Psalm 139. It says, you understand the thoughts of my heart. Before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. So you can be praying anytime, anywhere in your heart to God. Secret, close communion with God. This helps us stay connected with God. Um, if you've never read the little booklet called The Practice of the Presence of God, I would really encourage you to get it. Um, it's a classic. It's a very short little book um, written from the teachings of a humble lay brother in a, uh, a French monastery called Brother Lawrence. And he wrote this little, he didn't even write it. It was actually just 
Somebody wrote down his teachings and shared the letters that he had written to people, and it's called The Practice of the Presence of God. And he, he said this in that book. He said, we should establish ourselves in a sense of God's presence by continually conversing with him. That's how we keep in the presence of God. That's how we keep our eyes on him because we're continually recognizing that he is the present, ever-present one and we're speaking with him throughout the day. It's prayer. Prayer is our greatest connector, for sure. When I cease to pray, then I cease to walk by faith. Not that you pray every moment, because we can't do that. We have to concentrate on our jobs and things before us. But he says, keep praying. That's the idea. Keep praying throughout your day. When you have a pause in your responsibility, talk to me. I'm here. I want to hear from you. Matthew 12, 36 and 37, Jesus said, be careful of your words. Because one day you're going to have to give an account for every careless word that you have spoken. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because God hears every word spoken. Whether you're talking to him or not, he's already hearing you throughout the whole day. Oh, okay. Like that can be good or bad, right? Oh, man. I better think about, you know, how I'm speaking, what I'm speaking. He hears every word. That's, that's what I think he wanted us to see from that. Number three, we walk with God by recognizing that he is always intimately present with us. Always intimately present with the child of God. Brother Lawrence said this in his book, we need only to recognize that God is intimately present with us to address ourselves to him at every moment. The, the one attribute of God that helped me more than anything else in my prayer life is to understand that God is omnipresent. That at every moment I am always surrounded by his presence. He is there every moment. And he is hearing and he is seeing. And so when I pray, I know God is hearing me. And I know uh, because I've seen it and I've read it in his word that the prayers of God's children are powerful. Your intercession over family members and people, there is power in that. God moves through the prayers of his people. And he is the ever-present. Remember Jesus' words in Matthew 28, 20? He said, Lo, I'm with you always. I am with you always. That word always means every moment that he is there. He is the ever-present present one and we we need to recognize that um, one of my favorite verses has been Hebrews 13 5 where God says I will never leave you nor forsake you again that he is there every moment of every day through the good and the bad through the hard times and then number four we walk with God by acknowledging him in all our ways uh, look at uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is a familiar verse. I'm going to guess that many of you haven't memorized. Uh, this was the very first Bible verse that I memorized as a new believer um, because when I read it, I'm like, wow, I need that. <laughs> I need that. And, I, and so I memorized these words. Very well known. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He wants all of our heart, not just part of it. Do not lean 
Uh, and do not lean on your own understanding. We need wisdom from above. We need his understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Now, this Hebrew word, now I can say this one. This is kind of a fun word, yada. Yada, yada, yada. Okay, I, I, it actually means, yada is a word for acknowledge in this verse. Okay, and it is often translated to know, okay? It means to know intimately. That's what this word means. It's often translated by the word know as in the sense of knowing someone in a close relationship. Now, uh, I, I love my Strong's Concordance, okay? And I like to see how the, the words are used in, in, in different settings. And this was very unusual, um, in uh, Job 19.14. Now listen and try to guess what is the word for yada in this verse, okay? And remember, yada means to know, to be close, right? Okay? My relatives have failed me. My close friends have forgotten me. Which one would be yada? The words, my, cl my close friends. Close friends is the one Hebrew word, yada. Isn't that interesting? This could then be translated, in all your ways, be a close friend to me, God says. In your, all your ways, be in close friendship with me, God says. It also means to ascertain by seeing, to understand. And that, that's where we get in all your ways, acknowledge him. To acknowledge someone is to acknowledge their presence, right? Okay. If I see you and I say hi and I look you in the eyes, I have just acknowledged you. If I walk right past you, I didn't acknowledge you, did I? You're there, but I, I, didn't, I didn't acknowledge it. It's recognizing that that person is present and that they are important. God says, on all your ways, acknowledge me. Recognize that I am present and acknowledge my presence. I am here in this situation. You can talk your way through it with me. Oh man, so many times when I've been working with young people over the years and they share with me uh, the horrible things they've been through, and I'm like, what do you say to that? Right? And I just always say prayer. Father, oh, help me to know what to say to this young person. And usually what happens is a verse pops in my mind. Not like, oh, you're going to be okay. God will give me a verse and I'll say, can I read you something? Look, God loves you. Look, he can help you through this. Here's his promise. But just acknowledging God in that way. Um, in Psalm 16:8, um, David, who was called a man after God's own heart, he said this, I have set the Lord always before me. I have set the Lord always before me. He was saying, I'm keeping my eyes on the Lord. But look at David's life. The times he took his eyes off the Lord, not good, right? Okay? Um, he had some major scandals and failings, didn't he? But through it all, he would repent and turn back to God and humble himself before God. And God would forgive him time and time again. And the word of God says of David, he was a man after God's own heart. Was he a perfect man? No. Oh, he made lots of mistakes. He, he sinned. 
But he kept seeking God. And, and David said, here's my goal. Here's my intent to set the Lord always before me. I want to always recognize his presence. And then he said, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. I shall not be shaken. You know, Moses, while he had a task of being used of God to bring the Hebrew slaves out of slavery, and you know a story in Exodus and all that he encountered and how difficult the, the Hebrew people were out in the wilderness, how complaining and turning to other gods. And, and uh, there were many times that Moses wanted to just, you know, give up, right? Um, but he's in the Believer's Hall, Faith of Fame. In, in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, it says this of Moses, By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. How did he endure? As seeing him who was invisible. Seeing that God is there. Recognizing God's presence. Calling upon God's power. I can't do this on my own. Lord, help me, lead me, guide me. What should I do? And just living in his presence. In closing, I hope this morning you have heard the call of God, walk with me. And I pray that he leads us all into a deeper relationship because none of us have arrived. There is always more beauty and glory of God to know. There is always a deeper nearness and walk that we can come to with the Father, with our Lord and Savior, Jesus, in seeking Him and learning who He is. Seek Him daily. Make sure your heart is right with Him. Seek to practice 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which is, how's it go? Pray without ceasing, right? Hey, if nothing else, you learned a Bible verse this morning by heart, Okay. Um, and and it's, it's a good one. Uh, but, you know, try to put that in practice. and Just try to live in that awareness that he is the ever-present one, that he is always there, always there, every moment. He's only a prayer away. He's only a sigh away. He's, he's always there. And then to acknowledge that presence and to walk in fellowship with him. So, um, I want to thank you for allowing me to, Share, thank you, John, uh, for giving me this opportunity. And um, You guys probably know that John and Elise's life has been kind of upended um, as they uh, discovered mold in their house and walls were, had to be torn out. And, and uh, quote, there's, wow, <laughs> it was pretty overwhelming. Um, and so I uh, wanted to give John a break and to be able to, he's been painting a lot haven't you? <laughs> Surprised you don't have like evidence of it on you. <laughs> More painting this afternoon. So anyway, uh, you know, I remember our first service that um, Cheryl and I came here. Uh, what year was that? Yeah. Yeah. And um, just seeing, uh, you know, this beautiful congregation and and seeing your, your church grow and new faces. and um, I'm thankful for what God is doing here. Um, I actually pray for your gathering every Sunday morning. Um, you know, as I'm getting prepared for my chapel services, I always remember Allegan Bible Church, that God will continue to grow you all 
and show you more and more of his beauty and glory. So, um, are you going to close us in prayer? Are you going to? Yeah. Okay, would you? God, our Father, we do thank you for our time together in your word, and uh, we thank you for uh, Bible Bill for bringing the message uh, to us this morning. God, we do ask uh, that you would help us to walk with you. Uh, this world can get so full and so busy and things move so fast that we can, we can very often forget that your presence is everywhere, that you are with us, and that we are, as he has said, but a sigh away, but a prayer away from communing with you. And how deep your desire is that you would have fellowship with us, that you would, you would send your son to be a sacrifice for us, to open the veil so that we might have access to you at all times, in all places, in all circumstances. And you invite us. And so we, we thank you for the encouragement of this word this morning. We ask that you would help us, that you would help us to walk with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's, let's